Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Glow Up podcast with me, your host, Georgina Clark. I am a positive psychology practitioner and a mother of two, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I'll be bringing to you a new episode all about well-being, positivity, and of course, motherhood. My mission is to help mothers navigate this journey feeling the happiest version of themselves and also feeling a little bit more like themselves again. My intention for this podcast is to give you a little bit of inspiration. Our identities as mothers can get compromised and I want to help you reconnect with yourself. Each week we're going to be covering all the things. We talk mum rage, mum guilt, anxiety, loss of identity, you name it, we'll be talking about it. I'm very passionate about this topic. Becoming a mother is hard enough and I truly want to help you navigate this journey and be the happiest version of yourself because I just think that is the greatest thing we can be and also the greatest blueprint that we can give to our children. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited to welcome on Charlie O'Brien, who is a clinical hypnotherapist. Uh, She's trained in EFT, she's a life coach, she's currently doing her training to be a psychotherapist and she has so many amazing and helpful tools to help manage anxiety. Uh, You can find loads of the tools on her website. Her website is charlieobrien.com co.uk and also she has a ton of free uh, videos and things like that over on her instagram page her instagram handle is at charlie o'brien therapy on charlie's website right now she currently has some free hypnosis she's got one for sleep one for calmness and you can also work with charlie and do some hypnosis with her She works with clients and does hypnosis for things like COVID vaccination anxiety, general anxiety, confidence, pain management, sleep issues. She is also an EFT practitioner, so you can work with her doing that. I absolutely love EFT and we delve into that in this week's episode. This week's episode has so many helpful, practical, tangible tips. The world has been so heavy for such a long time. Uh, Obviously, COVID, lockdown, anxiety is really high, but I wanted to sit down with Charlie after the... um, news a couple of weeks ago surrounding obviously we had the Meghan Markle Oprah interview and after that there was a lot of talk around mental health and the importance of it and I feel like that was big news and then obviously a few days later we had uh, Sarah Everard which was absolutely horrible thoughts are with her family um and the news I just think it really hit all of us so hard and I really felt like the world was in a state of anxiety um I know that I was so I was really keen to sit down with Charlie and just to discuss anxiety as a whole and we both share some of the things that we do to help manage it and um, like I said, we want it to be a very practical episode. So there's lots of take home tips in it. And like I said as well, if you're not following her, please do go over there and look at her Instagram page or check out her website because she's got a ton of freebies on there for you too. So without further ado, I will uh, get stuck into the episode. So, um, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I'm Charlie. My name is Charlie O'Brien and I am a clinical hypnotherapist, a life coach 
And I'm also training to be a psychotherapist, which is quite a long, a long journey. So I'm going to be doing that for the next few years of my life. But um, but before that, I actually had um, a 14 year, I think it was 14 years, I counted yesterday, a 14 year career in the media, um, where I was a journalist, a presenter, a news editor. I've been a writer, a blogger, a vlogger, um, a voiceover artist. So I've had quite a, a sort of varied career. Um, and it's kind of led me to this today, working with mental health. And um, yeah, so it's been it's been interesting, but absolutely loving every minute, really. Yeah, you can tell you do voiceovers because your voice is just stunning. Every time I listen to you, I think, oh, yes, you've got a beautiful oh, voice. <laughs> thank you. I think my husband and children would disagree when I'm yelling at them to <laughs> to pick up their washing or do whatever. But um, but yes, thank oh, no, you. I reckon, I reckon you soften the blow. So you're asking for chores, but you've got a nice voice, so it's not so bad. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure I think they would disagree with that one but um but yeah but thank you for having me here today that's okay so obviously you are currently very into studying anxiety you do EFT tapping you do hypnotherapy so can you give some background on what tapping is because I think it's quite a new concept isn't it like I love it but I don't know if everyone would have heard of what it is and how it works and that kind of stuff Yeah. So tapping is, it's the formal term for tapping is the emotional freedom technique. Um, It actually has been around since the 60s or 70s. So it's not as new as people might think, but I think it takes with any kind of new wave of psychology, it it takes people time to accept it. Obviously, studies have to happen to check it's actually effective um, and that kind of thing. So it's it's been around for a long time and it's sort of derived from something else. But essentially, mm. it's it, I think it has come into the arena that, you know, the social media arena a lot more in the last few years. So I am I'm a I'm a tapping practitioner. So I have actually sort of done my training in, in that sense. Tapping's amazing because what it does, it's kind of like a two pronged attack to a problem. Now you can tap on absolutely anything. So you can tap on past traumas that you've had in your life that you need to work through. Um, You can tap on the here and now if you're feeling anxious or depressed, or you can tap on stress. You can even tap on feeling annoyed at someone, you know, you can tap on anything. Actually, you can tap on food cravings if you're trying to lose weight, all sorts of things. But I generally use it for anxiety. And what happens is Um, We know that when we tap on certain points of the face and body, it sends a signal back to the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is part of the emotional brain. It's a tiny little sort of almond shaped part of our brain. But our amygdala has a lot to answer for. It's called the smoke detector of the brain. So if you imagine a smoke detector in your kitchen, it either has an on or an off, right? There's no in between. There's no gray area. It's very black and white. And that's what our amygdala is. Now, we need that because it keeps us safe. So if you imagine when we were sort of cavemen and women, we didn't have a thinking intellectual brain like we have now. We just had Mm -hmm. our brain to keep us alive, to stop us being eaten or attacked by another tribe or something. Um, So Mm. that amygdala was very, very useful. You know, it it produces the fight or flight response, which we are very familiar with, with anxiety. Fast forward to 2021, you know, we don't, most of us don't face the threat of being eaten by a bear or a tiger, but we have other things. We have global pandemics. We have stress from our children. We have maybe stress in our job. And it comes at us like a threat, like it did yeah. all those thousands of years ago. When we tap, we know that it sends a signal to the amygdala, that part of the brain, that it can 
either switch off or at least calm down, kind of dial down. And then the other part of um, tapping is while we tap, we actually acknowledge what's wrong. So we say out loud what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And we do very much focus on what is going on in our body. So, for example, um, with anxiety, I don't know if you've experienced this, Georgie. Most of us have. But when you're feeling anxious, we get a lot of physical symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. So you might have like that horrible feeling in your stomach or a tight chest or sweaty palms or, you know, a racing heart. heart. Palpations, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So when when I'm tapping with someone who's feeling anxious, we tune in with what the thought is. Okay, I, I feel really anxious right now or I feel really stressed. And then we actually tap on the feeling. So while we're going around tapping on those points, we would say um, something like I can feel this tightness in my chest, you know, and we just you go around and you really acknowledge what's going on. So that two pronged attack of speaking out loud about acknowledging the problem, maybe for the first time ever um, mm. and tapping at the same time it reprograms that response system. So the amygdala, sort of next time your child throws a tantrum or next time you get that email from your boss that would normally send you into like a a panic overdrive, the amygdala says, oh, actually, I've got a new response now. And that new response is to actually approach this with calm. Um, So it's just wonderful. Sorry, I've talked a lot there. (laughs) No, that's honestly, that I've done tapping for about, mm, I'd say probably about 18 months to two years but you've definitely described it the best I've heard it oh wow so do you do it just uh, by yourself or do do you work with like a practitioner um so I do it I just watch YouTube videos at the minute so I Mm -hmm. do it by myself yeah yeah so the, the the trick with tapping really is to be as specific as you can and when people first start they find it quite hard especially if you're someone who's not used to tuning in and talking about your feelings it can take Mm. a while to get into that but the more you do it you've probably found this yourself that the more you do it the more normal it feels and if we can get really specific you know for example I feel anxious today and I think it's because you know this has happened and then really tune in with oh this feeling in my stomach and it's also really important in tapping to keep measuring yourself so when we start I will start by asking my client you know on a scale of one to ten how bad does this feel for you right now they might say right well this feeling in my stomach this is an eight it's really bad and then we do a few rounds of tapping and I ask them again and normally it has come right down so if you're doing it by yourself yeah absolutely keep scoring yourself and just noticing yeah. that, that intensity come down until it's come down. If it comes down to about a one or a two, you've pretty much cleared that problem. Um, and then you can move on to something else. Because, you know, problems that we have, they're not linear. They have lots of little different underlying parts, you know, that make up the problem. Um, but, yeah, I would always say as well, it's useful to work with someone who is like does this professionally because they can help guide you because it can seem a bit overwhelming to start, I think. Yeah, and I think it's important, like you say, having a practitioner it helps with the routine. And also, when I first started, I really struggled with um, saying it out loud because I'd do it upstairs and Rich could be downstairs and I would feel like, oh, I'm sat in my bedroom mm-hmm. saying the, the feelings out loud. Obviously, you get used to it, but like you say, I think yeah. if you're working with a practitioner, it just helps you. No, and I think I think the thing about therapy, any type of therapy, and look, there are so many different types of therapy, and every you know, different people require different things. Um, but what what the therapeutic relationship allows you to have is that safe space for that hour. Yeah where you're not judged you know you can talk about anything or tell the therapist anything and it's your time 
Um, but absolutely, my work, I'm really passionate about giving my clients tools that they can take away and do by themselves because I think that's really empowering. So you can then go and do it in your bedroom and, and not feel stupid. And as, the more you do any of these things, the easier they come anyway. Yeah, I think especially when you start to see, like you say, like when you start to feel it working, then it's very easy to get behind it. Like now I will, if mm. I'm having a bad day with the kids, I'll sit in the kitchen for five minutes and just tap it out. Yes. Yeah. And do you know what? It works quite well with kids as well. Yeah, I can't wait. Mine are, they're a bit young for it. Like Ellen will see me do it. She's just turned three. So she'll see me do it and kind of play along. But I can't mm. wait. So like we'll discuss it, but I can't wait for her to, like we're just starting to do like mindfulness techniques with her oh. and we'll do a bit of yoga together. And I'm really, really pro instilling that in her. Rory is, um, he has autism, so he's not quite there yet, but he will mm-hmm. definitely need it as well someday. Like he, we're yeah. trying to, again, have calm and downtime and mindfulness. Yeah. But yeah, she loves watching me do it and she will tap along with me and we'll discuss, yeah. you know, why she's doing that. But yeah, I can't you- wait for her to like do it like say her things herself and it would be really fun yeah you can even tap on them so the the points that you would um tap on your face or body georgie you can actually tap on your your child so tap on their face or on their body and you know if they're having if they're feeling cross or something if they can tune in with that feeling just sort of get them to say I feel really cross or I feel really sad and you can tap on them and um, even just the stimulation because there's a lot of um, tapping is quite linked with um, acupuncture because we're tapping Mm. on some of the acupressure points that are used in acupuncture so even just the sensation of tapping on those points for people is very calming so yeah absolutely you can tap on your children and people do tap on animals as well like dogs and cats so (laughs) the possibilities are endless yeah I never thought to do that actually because yeah I'll definitely do it with Ellen because we are she, like I say she's just turned three so we're going through it at the minute with all the emotions but the yes. dog for sure yes. our dog's the most anxious dog in the world so Aww. anything he's like he's my husband's prized possession and I'll get my husband to do it he'll love that he'll love anything to do with therapy for his dog yes there you go we all need a bit of therapy even the animals <laughs> yeah I'm sure the animals are picking up on it as well at the minute and feeling all of our anxieties in the house yeah, of course. I mean, I've we got um, a puppy during lockdown in October um, and she's really needy because she is a lockdown dog. So she hasn't yes. really been anywhere. Obviously, we, she goes for walks every day, but she's never been to another person's house. <laughs> so she doesn't know other people's houses exist. And my husband and I keep talking about, right, we really need to get her into puppy classes and socialize her more because it has been this last year has been really tough on everyone and I know that's why you wanted to to talk to me today really yeah you're not the only one my friend um, also got a lockdown puppy and um, we met at the park the other day and she said that she was like can you please bring your children over to the puppy so she gets used to other children because she mm. hasn't seen any and I was like oh, that's such an odd co-. like obviously you just don't think about it do you but it's such an odd concept that we've gone this long and mm. it, it's life just is starting to feel like that abnormality of lockdown is starting to feel very normal and what is our old normal is starting to feel very abnormal isn't it yeah and actually what I've noticed with clients is we've gone through these different kind of peaks and troughs in the last year 
Um, when this all started a year ago, um, I had a surge of clients who were really, really anxious about the virus itself. So health anxiety really kicks in for a lot of people. And obviously, you know, anxiety is a reaction to stress or fear of the unknown. Okay, what we can't control. So it was a very normal reaction for us to feel anxious. You know, we we were thrown into the situation that none of us had ever been in before. The world had never been in before, certainly not in in modern times. And um, so, you know, an, an anxiety reaction was very normal. And there was a lot of adrenaline. I don't know if you remember this time last year, we were all kind of talking about stockpiling pasta and loo roll and you couldn't get yeah. them in the shops. And so we all yeah. went into this high alert, which is normal. You know, our job was to protect ourselves, protect our families, make sure we, st- we still had food. We kind of went, we became very basic. You know, we tuned into our instincts, which was to rush to Sainsbury's and grab every bag of pasta, whether we did that or not that adrenaline surge was within us. Then what happened is we kind of settled into life in lockdown. Mm. um, And a lot of people, I was seeing a lot of clients who were suddenly kind of aware of mental health issues that they had buried away for years and years. They'd suddenly take away their busy life that they'd had forever and been able to distract themselves with. Suddenly we didn't have that. So people were becoming more aware of themselves and their mental health issues And then we went through another phase as we went into the summer of um, coming out of that initial lockdown and people became anxious about coming out of it again. And then that pattern's kind of repeated itself. And I'm, I'm now seeing clients who are, again, feeling anxious about sort of, you know, the roadmap out of lockdown and how do I be? Who am I now? Um, you know, still anxious about what threats are out there to them and their families. So we have been on a massive roller coaster in the last year. And I think acknowledging that to yourself and saying, you know, I've, I've actually done really well is the first step. But also it's OK to acknowledge that I do feel really anxious and it's it's time maybe to do something about it. Yeah, I've definitely um, heard lots about people, uh, like you say, kind of having a bit of self-discovery. Apparently, mm-hmm. there's been um, this big rise with the GPs and people realising that they have anxiety, ADHD, lots of things like that, where they've just been, kind of, like you say, like sat with their thoughts and maybe discovering mm-hmm. different patterns that they probably weren't used to acknowledging. So like you say, life was a lot busier. Um, but it's interesting to hear the cycle. And I think as well, people are from what I've heard very anxious about obviously we've got the roadmap out but how will life look after Mm. lockdown restrictions end you know what will what will normal look like again you know will we still be so well we will be social distancing you know when will the masks stop Mm. and I think that that's been something that I've heard a big fear around and I think it's going to be hard for us to get back to normal like the other day I was driving this is a funny story and I realised that I was social distancing from cars just in autopilot, like at the traffic lights. <laughs> yeah. I was leaving a big distance in between the two cars. I was like, what am I doing? Because I think and I'll watch telly sometimes and I think, oh, my God, they're so close to each other. And I think that that will be a really yes. hard thing to come away from when the time is right. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. We watch, I watch things like Friends, and I think, oh my god, look how close they're sitting on that sofa. <laughs> um, it's almost yeah, like wearing your have, masks. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's really bizarre, and it's, it, how quickly we have become used to this new way of being. Um, I think there's two things. I I say to clients, look, just focus on what you can control within your life and your environment, because mm-hmm. you know 
if we stop trying to, if we if we are worrying about the whole world, the virus, everything all the time, we're going to be in a state of anxiety because it's all yeah. those what ifs and we don't have the answers. So almost we need to become more comfortable with ambiguity. We don't have all the answers and that's a process learning to accept that I can only control what I can control. So mm-hmm. that can be quite useful. Um, and secondly, but I think it is important to know, you know, especially for adults, we have had a life before COVID. We've had a life before lockdowns and pandemics. We can do it again. We know how to do it. It might just take a little bit of time to to sort of ease back into it and feel comfortable again. And that's okay. And it's just about doing what makes you feel comfortable. I think we've all got a little bit better actually at asserting our own boundaries. You know, when we, everyone we know, we're all in the same situation, aren't we? Some of us have got friends who have locked themselves away for the last year and followed every rule. And then we've got mm-hmm. other friends who have been in each other's houses maybe for the whole way through. Um, I think it's very important to do what is right for you and your family and, and just know that you can't control everything. Yes. And I think how would have you had much feedback from clients? Because I know as a mother, and I know that this happens to a lot of mothers, we have like a perfectionism standard, and I find that letting go mm. of control is really hard. So do you find that you you find that with mothers or Yeah, I think well, I find it with women, actually. Um, I think us women have a tendency to think that we have to be doing everything for everyone all the time and it all needs to be perfect and it all needs to work all the time. And I think actually that that is something we can work on as individuals. You know, again, that kind of that that concept that we can't control everything. We don't need to control everything. And I often say to clients, you know, what's what's the worst that's going to happen? if that doesn't yeah. go right and also things that don't go right that's okay because that's how we all learn it's okay to fail and I think reframing that concept of failure you know what is failure anyway it's a social construct but you know it doesn't have to be an unhealthy thing you know if you get to the end of the day and you feel like you haven't you haven't smashed motherhood at, at 9 p.m one day well does it really matter? You know, look back and say, well, what happened in my day that I didn't enjoy or didn't go right? You know, is everyone still alive? Is everyone in bed and fed? Yes, probably. Um, Tomorrow's a new day. And there's, you know, I think letting go of that sense of trying to be perfect all the time is really important. But, you know, that it can come from a lot of places. And often that comes from our upbringing or um, things that have happened in our past, in our life before we've had children. And that could be a really useful thing to work through in therapy, actually. Um, You know, why have I got this sense that I have to be perfect all the time? Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of exploration you can do on a deeper level with that one, definitely. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if you'd asked me before I had children if I was a perfectionist, I would have been like, no, because I always do lots of things like fly by the seat of my pants when it comes to like professional like when I was at work I used to just wing it all the time and it would always work out, but I would wing it a lot. So I didn't think I was a perfectionist. And then when I had children, I realised that I was really bad and it's something that I've had to really work on and I have to, on a daily basis, kind of practice that. And I think as well Mm. with social media, you said Mm. about um, when you get to the end of the day, if you feel like you haven't smashed motherhood, I feel like we live our lives for like outward appearances without even realising that we're doing it. So there could be a day where I think, oh, I haven't smashed it. And I think, but no one saw, like, and if I think... If no one saw, then does it really matter? Like if, you know, like you say, if the children are happy, healthy, fed, sleeping, 
then does it really matter that no one saw the organic dinner that I didn't make? You know, it's, mm. it, yeah. I think that we just don't even realise that we're doing it because we live in such like a media. I don't, it's almost a bit like the Truman Show, isn't it? Where you're, yeah, you don't realise that people aren't actually watching you. Exactly, and you know, in the last year, it's got worse because we haven't actually been socialising outside of the home properly. We've really been online a heck of a lot more. But if you think yeah. back to when our when our mums were parenting us and when our grandmothers were parenting them, they didn't have social media. So, of course, they still had, you know, the comparison of like, well, Deirdre down the road seems to always, you know, be on top yeah. of everything. And Karen across the road, you know, her kids always look so smart. So they had those sort of natural comparisons within their community, which is, yeah. is a very natural thing to do. But we what we've done is we've literally been given this tool where we can peer into thousands of people's living rooms every day. Now, you, yes. we, don't, we don't walk down our street, do we, and open everyone's front door and go, oh, what are they having for dinner? Oh, look, oh, they've got a better TV than me. And oh, look at her three-piece <laughs> suite. And oh, look, she's, oh, she's, she's not very good at that, is she? You know, we don't do that. We don't open people's front doors and look in and we don't invite the whole street to look in our house. And yet that's what no. we're doing on social media. And it's actually not good it's, it's it's not normal we're not supposed to see this many people and how they're conducting their lives and I think we've all become aware haven't we more that this isn't good for us but it's how we yeah. sort of how we move forward with it because it's not going anywhere social media will just get bigger so I think as individuals yeah. we, we have to put some boundaries in place and I've really started to do that in the last few months actually and I think once you let go of that sense of how important is this social media in my life um, it's it's really quite freeing and I would I would definitely encourage anyone listening to sort of look at their usage and how they're using social media and if it's leaving you feeling crap then there's something wrong and you need to make some changes yes I, I think there's a place for it I think you know sometimes if you want to if you're having um say the kids are having some screen time and you feel like you're feeling a bit overwhelmed and you there is a place for just some mindless scrolling but yeah. like you said I think be very conscious of what you're following who you're following and how you're feeling when you come away from it yeah well studies have shown that even sort of 10 minutes of mindless scrolling generally reduces people's mood so even right. when you think it's just mindless scrolling if you if you were measured if your mood was measured before and after it would probably be lower on the sort of scales after so it is having even on a subconscious level you know I work with the subconscious a lot because I'm a hypnotherapist and stuff yeah. goes into our subconscious that we're not even aware of and you know the amount of we're bombarding our brains literally with the amount of images and captions and videos and it's actually more than our brains are supposed to take on in a day it reduces our concentration levels it messes with our sleep it leaves us feeling unworthy um there's, you know there are a lot of negatives so it's definitely about finding a way that is healthy for you and this is not me saying come off social media I'm on it every day yeah, <laughs> so I, I understand know. the problem I understand it and yeah I think it is just sort of finding your own kind of way of using it and your own boundaries and that's really important I think that's part of your self-care you know finding your boundaries and and respecting them yeah I agree I, I you're right about the subconscious I had to really analyze my usage um when I found that I was starting to pick at my husband quite a lot throughout the day for absolutely no reason whatsoever and I realized it was because I was going on social media and 
I don't know, I guess I'd see other people um, seeming more put together when obviously we know that that's not necessarily true. But I would feel like, oh, well, I would be much more put together if Rich was around more to help. And it would just be Mm. such a stupid uh, conversation that I'd have in my head that would escalate and then I'd end up, he works from home, so I'd end up going upstairs and be like, right, (laughs) you need to start doing this and leave it. And I kind of noticed this pattern. And I think especially with the last week as well obviously the news has been heavy last week Mm. obviously went from Meghan Markle down to Sarah Everard and it's it's been a lot to take in and I know Mm. that so many people have been very aware that it's impacted them but I I kind of felt guilty because I would put my phone down a lot because I just couldn't read the news anymore and I felt Mm. bad because I thought and I did this last year when Covid first started because I thought I should be reading about this and I should be educating myself and I thought well no actually because Mm. even if I educate myself from this place I'm in right now it's not going to be of good like I would be educating myself from a place of anxiety and it's not going to be an informed lesson if that makes sense Mm. I think it's really interesting you you sort of say I should be doing this and the word should comes up a lot in therapy actually because it's a it's a it's a word that we put on ourselves that puts a heck of a lot of pressure on and if you actually stop yourself when you when you hear yourself saying that and say well hang on a sec why should I who who imposed this rule okay it's actually normally just me that imposed this rule and I think what you're saying stepping back from your phone stepping back from the tv and the news is actually a really healthy thing to do um that is respecting your boundaries and your mental health boundaries and listen we live in such a connected society we're never going to miss anything important are we you know if there's a development with covid a development with lockdown we will hear about it it would take a lot for us not to hear you know we're, we're all so connected so I think making those you know proper decisions I'm putting my phone down now I need to do something else that is good for my mental health good for my physical health good for my emotional Mm -hmm. well-being that is a really healthy thing to do and you know there's a lot of talk on social media about self-care I have a little bit of a bee in my bonnet about um, self-care because a lot of companies use self-care to sell products which I I I find quite disingenuous, you know, because real self-care is this stuff we're talking about now. It's setting those boundaries for ourselves and respecting them. And that that is proper self-care. So, you know, if mums want to talk about self-care, then that is part of it for me. Yeah, I agree. The should thing as well. I um, heard this saying and it was like, oh, you need to stop shoulding on yourself. And it really made me laugh. Yeah, it's so true. We all do it. We all do it. And, um, you know, we do it for other people as well. Like, you know, like you said, my husband should be helping me more. Um, and then when you start to unpick all these these shoulds and where they've come from, um, it is really interesting, actually. And we all do it. But yeah, stop shoulding on yourself. I like that. <laughs> I know. The husband thing's really funny, actually, because um, I'm quite happy with our arrangement. Like he works. I'm home with the kids. I do the housework. Sounds like a bit of 1950s, but I'm really happy that it works for us. Mm. I like our roles. And it was just so odd that I found myself suddenly being like, well, he doesn't do enough. Like, and obviously some days I'm sure, you know, he has a tired day and he doesn't do the dishwasher with me, but like, it's not a big deal. And I just thought, where is this coming from? Like, what did mm. I, I don't, I'm scrolling so much that I didn't even realise what I saw that no. made me feel that way. It's, it's, it's all going into your subconscious and then it then it crops up like you say and you almost surprise yourself because you didn't realize consciously that that's how you were feeling um I've been the same you know we all follow influencers who who buy houses and within six weeks the house has been totally um like redone 
you know, yeah. beautifully. And I've been in my house almost three years and I'm like, the list of stuff to do is is huge. And sometimes I look at these influencers and I think, oh my God, what have I done wrong that I still, you know, I've still got that peeling paint or my door still needs replacing or I've still got that minging wall, you know, from when we moved in. But then I have to sort of check in with myself, remind myself that, that that's their job to, to do this. Mm. And actually, most of us don't have those resources at our fingertips to be able to refurbish a house in in a few weeks. You know, for most of us, it takes years. And when you sort of step back and adjust those expectations and and think about what we're seeing, and we all know as well that most people put out their best snapshot of the day on Instagram, right? Yeah, and even like taken away from influencers, like most people like let's say Facebook like most people are putting their best parts on Facebook like I scroll through my history sometimes and I think that's not how you felt at that time but you're mm. making it look very very different um with the house stuff don't worry we've been in our house for seven years and honestly when I was pregnant with Rory so he's four and a half now I um painted our bedroom and I peeled the masking tape off and it took off half the ceiling and it's still like that now <laughs> But that's normal life, isn't it? It's normal life, those jobs that you never get around to. And I think it is important that, you know, I I, I see a lot of people on social media and I've had a lot of clients say to me, you know, I just, I see all these houses that seem so tidy and so organized and so well decorated. And that isn't really normal. You know, most people have mess, especially in the last year with everyone being at home all the time. My house is 100% messier. but it's okay and it is okay to take a step back and kind of go right let's let's think logically here about this rather than letting the emotion take over because that's what tends to happen I've been learning a lot in the last year as well about people's values and like my values Mm. and sometimes I have to check in and think no like I know for some people having a very tidy house or like you say getting on with decorating is it's their values and that's what they want to be doing whilst for me I'm just not there. I, I would never be able to keep up with having a completely immaculate house because it's not important enough to me. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, again, like just looking at a surface level and not thinking about like, well, actually, is that even really what I want? Like, would I be able to manage that? Would I be able to dedicate the hours a day to the upkeep of having an immaculate No, I would not. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would much rather, like you say, like I'd, I'd rather take the time to chill out for a bit, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good for your mental health. And I think it's so right what you say about values. And and actually, the last year, as hard as it's been, it's not all negative. You know, there. I think we've had more space than ever, more time to think yeah. about what is important to us in life. Um, you know, we, we haven't had the stuff to distract us, the restaurants, the soft play for the kids, cinema, bowling, holidays, socialising with our friends. That stuff's all been taken away. So actually, mm. it's kind of stripped us right back to basics who am I? What do I want? What makes me happy? What doesn't make me happy? And what do I want for my life going forward? And actually, in these last few weeks of being in lockdown, that is something we can all do, you know, ask ourselves, well, how do I want my life to look after this? Is there anything I want to change? And now is the time to change it. And actually, this is a bit of a gift. We don't normally get given this time. So I'd like to see the positives in the last year as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think especially time like you say time with the kids um last year I really found a new appreciation for where we lived and walking because that's all we had yeah um, and getting outdoors and then something that's been huge for me is I used to have this crazy issue I came from 
being a first-time mum and I had to go outside every single day I had to go do something run an errand like I wouldn't do a big food shop because I'd take Rory to the shop every single day we had to have just some kind of thing in our day and I had to see somebody every single day and the thought of having a home day so if we had bad weather the thought of having a home day would fill me with dread and now I've made complete peace with it the kids are happy having home days we're all fine in our pajamas all day and that for me is something that I'm really like really want to carry on and have slow mornings whilst we still can because before we start school in September mm. and really embrace just no plan days and just being comfortable in our setting because that for me was I just I never thought I'd be able to do that yeah so exactly it's it's made us see a different side to life and also a different side to ourselves you know what mm-hmm. what what can I sort of tolerate and actually get comfortable with and actually start to enjoy like you say you know we can stay at home all day and we'll it will be okay. And actually, I think bizarrely, there'll be some times in the future in future years when we will miss this time. Yeah, I think so too. I think, especially last year, it, like you say, it's been phases of lockdowns, but last year's lockdown, I really appreciated having Rich at home a lot more and mm. the kids weren't at nurse. So they've been back at the childbinders uh, twice a week for a little while now, but mm. I really liked, that again was something I thought would be a nightmare for me because my days off are like my mental health days. And I thought, oh, how am I going to cope with that? But you just find new ways to be practical. Like I said, I started doing yoga with Ellen and um, I learned how to take myself off. Because before as well, I'm a bit like of a helicopter parent, I guess, where I find, feel like if I leave the room and they're on their own, I have to check back every 30 seconds mm-hmm. to make sure they're okay. And they're four and three, like they're obviously going to be okay for five minutes. And I've had to learn to kind of be okay with just going into the kitchen and making a coffee, but doing it quite like not rushing doing it being quite mindful and knowing that they're yeah. okay watching the telly and I can take my time doing this and I've learned to really kind of take steps to um to do that without them being at nursery so I but I mm. do miss having them around all the time I quite liked that coziness of knowing where they were always going to be <laughs> yeah do you know I took um I last night took down my son's homeschooling timetable that was stuck in up on my living room wall because I thought I don't need it now and I threw it away and I actually felt quite sad and it's bizarre because the whole time we were homeschooling I was thinking oh come on you know need to get back to school this is really hard It, it disrupted my work and obviously it was difficult for everyone for different reasons but yeah I actually already like missed it a little bit like having him there he was like my little buddy every day and um so yeah we've definitely We've definitely learned about ourselves, I think, in the in the past year, the good, bad and the ugly, right? Yes, definitely. How so what were your coping techniques when you were in the in the brunt of homeschool and like what would you do to just check in with yourself and make sure you were managing yourself? Well, I actually have weekly therapy. Um, right. because I'm, because I'm training to be a, a psychotherapist, it's mandatory. We have to, we have to have weekly therapy, which is really good. So, you know, yeah. when you, if you're looking for a therapist, you know, or a counselor, know that they have been through it. And it's really important actually for so many different levels that, you know, when you, you are a therapist that you have therapy as well. Um, so I had my weekly therapy sessions and that, helped me so much just to check in and she would check in with me that I was kind of getting some some level of self-care some level of time to myself so really that was kind of my check-in point um and apart from that I kind of just just got on with it really and just I think for everyone it's been a massive juggle like I don't know how people I mean I work for myself so I can kind of pick and choose when I see clients and things but people who were doing full-time jobs 
Um, and then, of course, people who are working on the front line and couldn't be with their children. You know, there's it's been really hard, I think, for everybody for different reasons. Yeah, I completely agree. I um, I second therapy as well. I think especially for women and mothers, I think a therapist for me sometimes gives me permission to realise that what I'm feeling is okay. Mm. I really struggle with that. Like, I, I think it's because I grew up in a, in a household where like your mental health wasn't the forefront and that we just never discussed it. Mm. And I think having somebody to say to me, like, you know, that that's all right to feel like that. You know, that that's completely normal to to think and feel what you're feeling and for me to be like oh okay well I didn't realize that and I was being extra hard on myself for my feelings because I thought that it was just me feeling that way when actually it's a completely normal reaction yes yeah and it just gives you that space and time to like I said earlier just be in that kind of hour where you're not judged at all Um, and it's a safe space to work through anything you need to work through but in terms of you know I'm very mindful of the fact that private therapy is not accessible for everyone is it is expensive obviously I would always say to people if you're feeling like you need some help you can self-refer now you don't even have to go through your GP so you can self-refer just by googling um, NHS talking therapies Um, you can self-refer through there it's difficult because depending is it is a postcode lottery depending on where you live there'll be different waiting lists different accessibility different sort of lengths or styles of therapy it's generally CBT you'll get on the NHS but there are lots of things that I recommend to clients um, you can do by yourself. Do you want me to go through a couple of them now? Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really about finding what works for you. What works for one person won't work for another. I think acknowledging that you feel crap is, is the first step and reaching out to talk to somebody if you feel comfortable, whether that is mm-hmm. a therapist or whether it's someone you trust who is just going to listen you know, and be there. But I know that can be a hard step for people to to do that, I am aware. But, you know, um, taking that time just to be in the moment, which again is hard when you're a busy, busy mum, you know, being in the moment can be quite difficult. But mindfulness is really just about being in that moment and focusing on your breath, for example, or what you can see and what you can feel. Um, and when you're in that state of presence, you're not worrying about the future or the past, which is where anxiety comes in. Mm. So if you can learn to be more mindful, um, there's a brilliant website called mindful.org, which I really recommend. It's got loads of just like everyday little tips because you can be mindful just doing the washing up or um, having a shower. You can have a mindful shower. And it's really just about learning to turn that attention inwards rather than outwards. Um, and yeah. they've got some nice meditations on there as well. Like you can do a walking meditation and things like that. So mindful.org is really good. Um, breathing exercises are really good because when we're in a state of stress or anxiety, our nervous system, you know, we mentioned earlier, like the fight or flight has switched right on. And then it releases cortisol, the stress hormone, and it's not good for us to be in that state. We know the stress actually, long-term stress has a very big impact on our health. So we really yeah. don't want to be in that state of anxiety and stress all the time. So what we want to do, do is engage our parasympathetic nervous system. And we can do that by things like breathing exercises. And there's one that is my favorite. It's called 478 breathing. And it's literally in through the nose for four, hold for seven and then out for eight. So the out breath is longer than the in breath. It can feel quite hard to do that at first if you're not used to it. The more you do it like anything, the easier it becomes. Do that four times. So just take a moment, four, seven, eight, in through the nose for four, hold for seven, 
and then out for eight and do that four times. And that will switch on your parasympathetic nervous system, which calms, its job is to calm the body. So you will instantly feel kind of calmer and then you can start using your rational brain rather than the emotional brain to kind of carry on with your day. Um, And again, you know, different, different things for different people, but yoga is very good for for that kind of thing as well because that really brings in that mindfulness and obviously yoga very focuses on that very much focuses on the mind body connection um Mm. but yeah but I would also say you know if things feel out of control always seek help there is help out there I know it can feel like it's hard to access but if you really don't know where to turn ring your GP as well okay that that's what they're there for yeah I completely said I've just gone through that journey myself um after I had a miscarriage last year and ever since then no that's okay but I haven't been the same since then and it took me a long time first of all to realize that because I think like you say when you're in a place of stress and anxiety sometimes you don't even realize that it's there you just don't realize that you're feeling Mm. extra um extra on um so it took me a while to realize and the second I said something to Rich who bless him like he does my head in sometimes but when it comes to things like this he's amazing and I said I I don't feel right and he was like no I know but I didn't want to say I didn't want to tell you that you didn't feel right I just wanted to support you when you came to Mm. to realize it yourself so I reached out to a GP and honestly they were amazing really supportive they knew what I'd gone through so they were like I'm so like honestly it was lovely it really touched me that I'm so sorry that you feel that way I said at first I really wanted to do some like holistic things to see if that would help Mm-hmm. and um so they set me out like some little challenges and things like that I do lots of stuff like that anyway so I kind of just wanted to I guess it's just part of the process isn't it of taking steps mm-hmm. and then yeah. yeah I self self-referred for CBT and um I feel more like myself again I think that's what you don't realize is that you just don't quite feel like yourself and I think that's quite normal as well with the pandemic mm-hmm. because you're not doing your normal things that would make you feel like you're not going to work or you're not going to certain shops mm. that normally are part of your identity and your routine um yeah. so I feel like that's normal but I think if you just know that subconsciously you're maybe in like you say fight or flight mode I was definitely in some kind of fight mode where I just wasn't settling down I wasn't mm. able to relax in the evening I wasn't concentrating on things like the telly like I just I just noticed it and thought oh but it took me you know a little while to get to that realization but when I did it was very very supportive yeah good I'm, I'm glad to hear it and, and you're right it can take a while um you know when it comes into your awareness that is the time to act on it I think um but yeah, absolutely. You know, never be afraid to reach out for help. I think we're, we've are we come into a time, I think, where we're more aware of mental health than ever. And that is yes. a really good thing. And I think by the time our children are grown up, hopefully the world will be a whole lot more receptive. And I'd love to, I'd love to see an NHS where, you know, there is a lot more focus on on early interventions and mental well-being and in schools as well. I know they do do some bits, but I don't, I don't think it's enough. Um, no, but I it's think- not. I think we're gradually, slowly moving in the right direction of you. I mean, I actually went through miscarriage, but it was six, seven, eight years ago now. And um, already, thank you. I mean, I'm I'm fine now, but obviously it was very difficult at the time. But even now I see a difference in how that subject is talked about and how people are starting to recognise the emotional and the mental impact on on things like that so I think the world is changing I really do but sometimes you do have to advocate for yourself and kind of and reach out for that help and 
and accept the help as well when it when it's offered I know that can be hard as well so yeah 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 out there yeah no I agree I think as well like I think there becomes like this we're definitely dropping stigmas around mental health now but I think um just knowing how big a deal that is that you do that and how brave that is is so important Mm -hmm. like I can't I can't express that enough it is like you say very scary and very difficult but the acknowledgement you should give yourself if you do decide to do that that it's it's amazing very powerful thing to do yeah absolutely and I say that to clients I say you know on our first session and clients are often very anxious to be there and I say Mm. look you've taken the first step look look what you've achieved already and what a gift that is to yourself. And I, I I, genuinely don't think there is a bigger gift you can give yourself in your life than looking after your mental health. I really don't. And because we all deserve to live the life that we deserve. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. some of us are not living the life we deserve or the life we want or we're not living our true, authentic life that we that we want. And therapy can can help get you to that place and um and that's that's wonderful there's that's there's nothing more important in life I don't think no I agree I always think as well I know uh for women and for mums we are always set on um putting others first and I always say to Mm. people do you realize the gift that you would give your children if you have very good coping techniques and self-care and you're looking after Mm. your mental health do you realize what they'll watch and what they'll witness and then they will take that on naturally like like you say it's early interventions for children as well I'm really passionate about that with schools I just think if I had seen somebody advocating good mental health and taking themselves off and practicing this that and the other I would have it's just have that naturally ingrained into you and give, be given that blueprint as a child like what a gift so even if you are thinking about um I don't know even if you put yourself last I'm trying to rephrase it so even if you normally put yourself last by putting yourself first you're helping all of those around you and also Mm. like as mothers and like the head of the household if you're better the whole house is going to function better everybody around you like if if like my husband has a bad day like the whole house will feel that so by you taking it upon yourself to um to have more good days it's going to just it's going to trickle through yes it's not selfish it's selfless actually and um i think you're absolutely right I've most women that I work with don't put themselves first and I think I, I've reached a point where I've a realization that we you know mothers will never put themselves first because our instinct is to protect our young and that's fine yeah. but it's when you're coming below you know the kids are first the partner's second the dog the cat the hamster you know friends yeah. and family it's when when you're right at the bottom of that pile I say to people well why why are you there Okay, I'm not saying you have to be more important than your children because women can't reconcile with that, actually. They find that really difficult to be above their children. So I think if we can just maybe um, sort of adjust that to say you're you're as equally as important as those other people in your life and you deserve that love and attention that you give everyone else, turn some of it inwards, okay, and, and, and offer yourself compassion and love and, you know, talk to yourself like you would a friend you know, the, the awful things we say to ourselves sometimes, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm I'm not a good mum. Would you say that to your best friend? And I say that to people and their faces, they're like, well, no, of course I wouldn't. Well, why, are you, why are you saying it to yourself? Okay, it's working on that that self-love and that, that dialogue and that talk and that language we use about ourselves. And as you say, modelling that for our children is wonderful. Yes, 
I um, always say to people as well, at the end of the day, look for the good. Just look for a few things that you did or that happened that were, you know, a consequence of your actions that were good. Because like you say, with um, the negative self-talk, what the brain will do is it will, if you're talking to yourself and you're saying, oh, I'm such a bad mum, your brain's going to gather up all the evidence of that day and just generally, and it's mm. going to reaffirm that to you because that's what you've told it to do. You've told it to look for that, look for that evidence. And you're going to think, oh, yeah, I am a bad mum because I shouted and I am a bad mum because I forgot to cut the crusts off the sandwich and I am a bad mum because I accidentally walked backwards. Into- you know, you're going to find all of these things. And if you mm. look for the good at the end of the day, you're going to slowly start to retrain your brain to yeah. be much kinder and gentler to yourself and realise the places where you are a good mum. Like you went to the shop and you bought your kids' favourite snacks and you played for 10 minutes and you were mindful in those 10 minutes and mm. um, you gave cuddles at bedtime. I think if you just spend a couple of minutes just realizing where you are doing a great job it really helps you to especially I know for mums as well sometimes we put the kids to bed and we think oh god like next time I need to like tomorrow I need to be more patient I find that once they're in bed you know when you kind of have like that five minutes just to unwind before Mm. you go on to do whatever you're going to do with your evening just sit and just think about all the good that you did that day with them and yeah almost look at yourself through their eyes as well yeah absolutely all the thousands of amazing things you've done in the day but haven't even acknowledged it's you know our brains hang on to the negative we know that you know it's a bit like someone we could be paid 10 compliments in a day but if someone says something horrible to us that's the only thing we'll remember um our brains like to hang on to the negative so like you say is is brain training retraining those negative thought patterns and i encourage people actually to to buy a journal like just a notepad and at the end of the day like you say write down all those things that you've done well that day or that have made you feel good or you know there's little glimmers of, of fun things anything like that it's not a notebook to write to-do lists in because I know us mums are forever writing to-do lists. Um, yeah. It's not for shopping lists. It's just for you, just to acknowledge. And then, you know, look back on them, you know, in a few months' time, look back and say, oh, look how much I've done um, because we are always achieving way more than we think we are and way more than we give ourselves credit for. Yes, definitely. I think, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Journaling as well, I find... Just to get things out of your brain, even if you yeah. just write down like a, a few things that you were feeling. And sometimes um, things that I like to do is um, like, say I'm worried about something, um, I'll write it down and then I'll kind of go through like, well, why am I worried about that? And then I'll mm-hmm. realise it's it's not actually that big of a deal. Or like you say, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or mm-hmm. um that's my mum's like biggest advice, by the way, whenever, <laughs> when I first had my son, she was like, what's the worst thing that could happen if you do this? Like, and I'm like, oh, you'll cry. It's like, well, if you cry, so it's okay. I'm like, yes. oh, okay. And that, like, that would really help me to um, stop stressing so much about things that, like you say, you just don't even realise what you're afraid of sometimes, do you? No, no. So it can be, yeah, acknowledging um, and put, you know, yeah, getting it out there, like you say, just getting it out of your brain. And that can be really good for people who struggle with sleep, actually, if, if you're struggling with insomnia, because at the end of the day, our brains do their processing a bit like a computer when it does its updates. That's what happens to us at the end of the day. We don't have time to process during the day. So we get into bed and it all it all starts. Um, mm. So it can be really good to do that brain dump onto a bit of paper or into, into your journal before you go to sleep, actually, sort of like have a little bit of a, a detox, a brain detox, yeah. and then you can sort of go to sleep peacefully and, and happily. 
Yes, especially if you're in a state of anxiety, because even if you had three things on your to-do list, those three things would feel like 50 um, mm. and you wouldn't be able to see how you could get them done. Like, that's what I find anyway, is I would be like, well, how will I take the like, It could just be something so small and it, I could think of a billion ways as to why I can't do them. And when I think that you break them down sometimes and you realise that it's not that big a task, it's not the mountain that you were yes. originally picturing. Yeah, of course, of course. Oh, thank you. You're most Do you have welcome. any other bits of advice or any other snippets before I let you go? Because it's nearly an hour and I don't want to take any more of your time. Oh, that's okay. I think really just everything we've said, just to sort of summarise, you know, ang- feeling anxious is normal. I think normalising it is really important. And I do that with all my clients that you're not broken. Um, you are just a normal human being. Um, acknowledging it and um you know not being afraid to ask for help really um but yeah just find what works for you as i say it's different for everybody you know some people will will hate running other people will find running for example really really good for their anxiety um in mm. being in that moment and being mindful with their body um and also just yet yeah, don't ever be afraid to to reach out for help whether that is the nhs you know your gp or 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 private therapy and and there is something out there for everyone so so yeah but but keep doing your great work with the podcast because i think it's i think it's what what mothers need definitely oh thank you very much thank you for being on you are most welcome thank you for having me so that is this week's episode i will link all of charlie's info in the show notes and some of the resources that we discussed in today's episode i think there are so many good take homes there and like charlie said if you are struggling then please do feel like you can reach out honestly my experience was so positive um and yeah make sure that you go over and follow her on um instagram and her website and please do subscribe to the podcast i've got a few other guest uh, guest speakers coming up and lots of other episodes um just like this one uh please do leave us a review i would absolutely love that it really does help to support this resource and yeah like i said i hope you enjoyed it and i will see you again next week Bye.